Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Screen Geeks Radio, episode 155. This is Dave. This is Terry. And Barry's unfortunately unable to be here today because he's spending time with his identical twin sister. So he'll be back next week. And actually, because we're, we're going to be a man down, we're just going to skip the topic this week. We're just going to go through the news, go through all the releases, what we've watched, all that fun stuff. And uh, get back to uh, next week, we're going to talk about our favorite film critics, both uh, traditional media and online. So it should be a good time. But before we get through this one, what have you been watching this week, Ethan? I, uh, I started off the week with uh, Tom Tickler's Heaven. Now, uh, this, this film's no well known because it, uh, the script is by uh, Christoph Kieslowski, and it was uh, intended to be a trilogy called Heaven, Hell, and Purgatory. And uh, unfortunately, he died before he could actually direct it. So uh, Tickler took the handle. It's kind of like it's kind of like an AI kind of situation in a way. Okay. But um, yeah, it's about uh, Kate Blanchett is this woman who uh, her husband was killed by a drug lord, and she the police don't do anything, so she ends up like bombing this building, and she's taken into custody, and she meets uh, Giovanni Rabisi, who plays a uh, like I think he's like a yeah he's like a police officer, and they kind of fall fall in love and run away. And uh, it's, it's again. It, it sounds kind of like a uh, thriller setup, but again, it's very much uh, Tickler aping Kieslowski because he has to. And it's a very kind of slow and strange film about a lot of uh, very interesting and de- deep and profound ideas. So it's slow and, as in methodical, not not slow as in boring. No, no. Right on. It's, but it definitely has a Tom Tickler kind of slickness to it. Okay, but I, I think I think it works, and uh, I yeah I really enjoyed it. I, I think there's things in it that are almost like I can see, kind of average audiences kind of laughing at some of the imagery, how far it goes. But it, I, I definitely thought it was quite good, so I'd recommend that. Cool. Uh, next, I watched Olivier Assayas's uh, Demon Lover. Uh, this film came out in 2002, and uh, it's this about pretty notorious, Nielsen. isn't it? She, Wait, sorry, what? Why are you laughing? This movie's pretty notorious, isn't it? Well, I'll get into that. Okay. Um, uh, Connie Nielsen, she plays kind of a corporate spy, and she's sent to kind of infiltrate a company because these two companies are competing over buying like a 3D hente company. And, uh, and uh, it kind of... It kind of gets into this area where she's infiltrating this company and kind of it's like kind of the reality, the hente and the kind of torture porn of the, the that they're selling is kind of coming becoming part of reality. And yeah, it's kind of notorious because I think there's an original cut of it's like unrated and it shows like hente and in the cut I watched it was actually blurred out. Okay. So okay. I didn't get to see that good stuff. <laughs> Would you like the pleasure of explaining what hente is to those who may not know? You got a animated uh, Japanese girl, and you got a tentacle. At least one, yes. Mm. We'll just leave uh, it there. We'll just leave it there and let your imagination run wild, and you're probably right. <laughs> but anyway, uh, the film is really good. Like it's uh, you know it's a sias, so it it's really interesting. It's commenting kind of all these cinematic ideas about kind of desensitization to violence and whatnot, and uh, the scores by Sonic Youth, and it's amazing. And the yeah, the movie just looks and feels great. It, it kind of reminded me of Videodrome in a way. And uh, I'd still I'd I'd like to watch it again though, just because I think I was watching it late at night, and I think some of it kind of went over my head. But I I definitely recommend it. Right on. Okay. Uh, next, I watched Adam Agoyan's The Adjuster. This is one of his first films, and uh, it's about Elias Coteus, 
He's an uh, assurance adjuster, and uh, his, his wife is uh, played by Adam McGoin's wife, who's in a ton of his films, and she, she works on the uh, ratings board, and they watch a lot of like pornography and whatnot, so <laughs> good double bill. And uh, uh, it's in typical Agoyan fashion, kind of you're thrown into the middle of something, and uh, you're not really. You have to kind of catch up, and it's shown throughout that Coteus uh, uh, is having an affair with most of his clients, and uh, also this guy who's like acting in a movie comes to live with them, and they have all these really like really kind of awkwardly hilarious uh, moments together, and it's it's probably like a going. It's it, you could totally tell that this is there's kind of two. Uh, stages of career, and this one is kind of his very strange experimental stage, and it's it's okay. pretty interesting. I didn't quite love it, but again, I'd like to watch it again, and I, I liked it. Fair enough. Um, next, I watched uh, Clint Eastwood's first film, Play Misty for Me. How was that? Uh, yeah, it's 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 interesting. I I don't think it's completely successful because it's it's pretty. To be honest, it's pretty standard like uh crazy stalker woman kind of stuff you know what i mean but it's interesting in that it's him kind of figuring out what his style is like there's points where the movie is very flashy so unlike eastwood but other times when it's very kind of slow and taking its time which i liked which is i think kind of the classical eastwood style so again it's not very it's not completely successful but i just found it interesting to watch hmm uh, next, I, I got to see a screening of uh, Conan O'Brien Can't Stop this week. Oh, I'm so jealous, sir. How was it? I really enjoyed it. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about how it kind of makes him look like a dick. And to be honest, I don't completely agree with that. I think it more just shows him as a regular guy in a kind of way who, who kind of gets angry. and just Maybe this sounds like a bad excuse, but he has this kind of relationship with his uh, assistant where he kind of... He kind of he's kind of you know not I wouldn't say mean to her but he's he's willing to kind of rib her a little and I think again maybe it sounds stupid to say that that's just their relationship but I think it kind of is he's just that way he's not really mean to her and uh, you could because he says in the early in the movie that he's still very kind of bitter over what happened with NBC he says that's going to come out in my performances. I'm, I can o- you gets- can only imagine. I mean, that, that that whole thing. It's not like it's something you can look at dispassionately, especially that short of time removed from what happened. Exactly, and uh, there's actually one scene I wanted to mention that I found interesting. It's one where he's uh, stopped over in Alberta, and uh, these teenagers come to talk to him about because one, he uh, they drove all the way from Calgary, like eight hours, to see his show. But uh, the the one kid is like learner's license was with the government, so he had no like ID. And he says, we're not going to be able to get into the show because he's at a casino. And he's like, the kid, he says, oh, yeah, they totally Jewed me. Wow. <laughs> and Conan's just like, what? And Conan's just like totally riffing on it. It's like, I'm just going to pretend that you're not anti-Semitic for a minute and stuff. And <laughs> nice. It's, it's pretty awesome. Very so, cool. So, yeah, I, def- I definitely recommend that. Right on. Um, next, I watched uh, The Black Hole, the uh, Disney film. Uh, I, I'm curious to know what you thought of this one. This, this the, yeah, there, there are several different thoughts about this this movie. Uh, I don't know. I thought some of it, like aspects of it are kind of fun, and I can imagine myself liking it as a kid. But for the most part, I, I felt pretty disengaged from it. I just didn't really didn't find it interesting. Even though the cast is very good, none of the characters were very engaging. 
the ending was kind of interesting, but it's yeah, trying really part. hard to be two thousand one. Yeah, I get it. Kind of like Star Trek: The Motion Picture in a way. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it was okay. So uh, finally, I watched Insidious, which I know uh, you and Barry were big fans of. Am I correct? I definitely, even though I know it's derivative, I still enjoyed it. And uh, the other one, what, wasn't Barry? he like? He wasn't like it's a new American horror classic. I think I, I, that may have been the initial thought, but we were both like, yeah, we know it's pretty much a complete ripoff of, of Poltergeist, but it's still a really well done horror movie, which is fairly rare as of late in the, the, the horror genre. To be honest, I thought this movie was like total amateur hour. Okay. Like, I thought it was really poorly made. Like, uh, the I admire the fact that James Wan, like, one of the things I hate about Saw is the aesthetic of it. Like, just, you know, the whole kind of the Marilyn Manson video cutting and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Totally. And you can see that. And in this movie, it feels a little more patient and... and and even though that kind of te- steeps in a little at times, but for the most part, just like the scares in it were lame. Like, like none. Like I like jump scares can get me to me sometimes, but just all the jump scares, just like meh. Like I mean, I had I was alone in my apartment. I turned off all the lights. It was dark out. I turned the volume up, and I I was not scared at all. Okay. And the only thing like that really worked for me was, you know, I guess this is minor spoilers, but when Patrick Wilson kind of goes into the ghost world at the end. Yes. But, like, I, I like that because it, it was actually kind of creepy. It was actually kind of creative. It was actually, it was kind of funny. I, I, I like that. Like, it, that was what I wanted from the movie, but the rest of it just, yeah. I think it did rely too much on jump scares, absolutely. Uh, the parts that were honestly the most creepy to me were the parts that weren't jump scares. It just shows you exactly what's happening on and lets the creep-out factor take place on take hold on its own. And did the, the, the ghost really need to be Darth Maul? Okay, yeah. that I liked the demon until they had the full shot of him, and yeah, seriously, it was Darth Maul, totally. <laughs> when, it, when it was just, but, yeah. when it was just the, 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 the medium explaining it to the guy and how to sketch it out and everything, that was pretty creepy. I mean, I think that was really well done, but when they came to the actual execution of showing you the demon, it just, yeah. Nah. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. And that's all you've watched, right? Yep. Alright, it's been a, that, that's, that's a pretty stinking solid week, sir. Uh, I did finally see Transformers 3. I saw it Monday. And not as bad as 2. Still not great. By a long shot. Uh, yeah. The, what, what did what did you think of uh, the the great comedy? Oh man, I I'm tr- I've been trying to honestly figure it out, and I think that while Transformers Three is a better movie, John Malkovich was better in Jonah Hex, and that's really mm. sad. Mm. That was a complete waste. What about Ken Jeong? That was going to be my next thing. It, it it was just completely out of place in the film. Like, it made no sense why he was there. It was just like, ah, let's get that one guy from Community in the Hangover movies to be in the movie. Yeah. Not a fan of that at all. What about the music? You mean the orchestral versions of Linkin Park? Yeah. I oh, yeah. Could not get behind that. Honestly, I'm sorry Rosie Hunter's not that attractive to me at all. It's nice um, but. Okay, yeah. Um, the the thing is that this movie really tries to be a Michael Bay movie without being a Michael Bay movie. Like it, it, it's and it's supposed to be a kids movie too. So it's it, there was no winning here, but still, this movie's violent as violent can be. And in like that last hour when it really becomes a Michael Bay action flick, I was having a good time. But it shouldn't have taken me you know another hour and a half to even get to that point though. 
Like, yeah, it, I'll stand by. I'll stand by the fact that I think the gliding through Chicago thing is awesome. Absolutely, as is as is the building uh, tumbling over. But yeah, yeah. Um, it you know everything with Shia pretty much before the action kicks in. I was just really bored. That's yeah, and, and really, there's no reason for this movie to be two hours and forty minutes long. There's none. That that's that that's the part that really got to me. Um, but it's an epic, man. It's it's an epic. If you want to call it that, it's epic. No, it's not. But okay, uh, I'll, I'll I'll move on. The only other movie I watched was a uh, documentary that Barry mentioned a couple months ago called "For the Bible Tells Me So," which is a very interesting look into Christianity and homosexuality and in an actual discussion of both sides of the of the equation. And I think it's really it's fascinating because it puts a human. It, it does something that. Man, I'm gonna get political here, but oh well. Um, you, you know, you have the whole people who are like, you know, God hates fags and whatever and all that stuff. And, and even if they aren't that blatant with their hatred, there's hatred out there, especially from the right. I think don't think anyone really can argue that point. And this movie really put, puts a face on that. And it's like, really, you, you you are going to hate people, and it comes from Christians, a lot of them who are who were like that, and then, you know, are faced with something where someone comes out as gay, and they're like, you know what, I need to re-look at what I believe. And it, it's a really honest look at, at the thing. It's definitely, you know, pro, pro-gay pro and everything, but it's done very even-handedly and very honestly and earnestly, which I really appreciate. I think it's a, a really good documentary. It's on Netflix. Watch instantly. It's definitely worth checking out. And let's see, TV shows. I got The Prisoner from Amazon for 25 bucks, the old Patrick McGowan show. Mm-hmm. And it is a gorgeous Blu-ray. Like it was, it, you can tell it was shot on film because everything's so crisp, so clear. And it's McGowan. He's he's the man in this movie, in this TV show, and I'm really enjoying it. I'm looking forward to going through the whole thing. And let's see. The last thing is Torchwood Miracle Day premiered this weekend. Um, you're not familiar with any of the Doctor Who universe, right? Uh, the, the, no. Okay, that's all good. Um. This is a good show, but I think they're making a mistake. I, I think a lot of people in the U- in the U.S. have never heard of Torchwood, let alone seen it. And I think if you're gonna if you're gonna try to introduce a show to a different country's audience, you really need to make an effort out to go out there and kind of explain everything that's going on. And this show really expects you to have watched Torchwood and know what's going on with each of the characters and know what's different about you know each of these two people. And if you don't know, you're gonna be lost. That put aside, it's a very interesting story. Uh, I think it's going to be good. I can't wait to see where it goes with it. Essentially, no one, everyone stops dying, and no matter what happens to him, one guy puts himself in a suicide bombing situation and comes back, and <laughs> they, they 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 have him in the autopsy room, and he's just a charred corpse. So they cut the head off, and the guy's still alive. So it's got really, it's very inventive, and I think if you're if you're a Torchwood fan, it's well worth checking out if you haven't seen it. If you haven't Man, you might be lost for the first episode or two, but I think it's still worth giving a shot. So, there's that. That's pretty much all I watched. So let's go ahead and talk about what came out in theaters this past weekend. We have got Horrible Bosses, Kevin James in The Zookeeper, or I guess just Zookeeper. Oh my gosh. A Project Nemesis in limited release, and Beats, Rhymes, and Life, The Travels of a Tribe Called Quest came out in limited release as well. You went to see Zookeeper, didn't you? I wish, I wish... Did you my see roommate anything? said my roommate said he'll see it with me if I pay for his ticket. And I'm willing to I'm willing to do so. Really? You're going to take that bullet? So maybe tonight. Okay. 
you're, you're, you're kind of on, the, on this crusade to take a bullet that none of the rest of us are willing to take, aren't you? I just love Kevin James, and I just love Nick Nolte rapping to Flo Rida, and... And you like TGI Fridays. Uh, love TGI Fridays. Right on. Did you get to see anything this weekend at all? No. Well, oh, actually, one thing, but we'll get to that later, actually. The screening, I saw. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I didn't see anything either. Horrible Bosses have been getting okay word, but it just didn't seem to do much for me, so, oh, well... I guess we'll just move on to DVDs then. Uh, let's see, this week we have got, on Tuesday releasing, we have got The Lincoln Lawyer, Rango, the aforementioned Insidious, the Arthur remake, uh, Universal's Blu-ray release of Brazil, Roger Corman's Beyond the Stars, the Buster Keaton short films collection from 1920 to 1923. It's a three-disc Blu-ray put up by Kino. There's also a DVD version of that. Uh, Naked from Criterion's coming out. Wreck 2 on DVD. And what I know is Ethan's like pick of the week, hands down, if not like the pick for the next five years. Uncle Boomy, who can recall his past lives. It is my number one well, in the key right now. We'll see. We'll see if uh, uh, Zook, that Zookeeper criterion might uh, overtake it. Yeah, yeah, well, or, or the Good Burger, Burger one, whenever that one goes back in print. Totally. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. All right. Let's talk about some news. Um, yeah. There's nothing. Really, I'll pick up Rec. You know. Yeah. We talked about all this last week. So we'll we'll talk more about DVDs for next week. Uh, but first of all, let's talk about some news. Uh, you. I made you watch the One of the Dead trailer. Mm-hmm. What did you think of that? Well, uh, currently I work at. Uh, well, I don't work, but I uh, volunteer at my my university's uh, TV station. Uh-huh. Where I do a, a a movie review show, and uh, there's a we have a friend named Juan who uh, doesn't he doesn't work on our show, but he's he's at the station. He works in some other shows, and uh, the past uh, week he was showing me the Cowboys and Aliens trailer and telling me how he thinks it's Zionist propaganda. What? Because would- uh, the aliens make uh, <laughs> the sound the aliens make sounds like. Uh, like what? Like like Palestinian or something? So wow. So that's what my friend Juan said. Wow. As for this trailer, okay. As for this trailer, uh, uh, I was in Cuba a few years ago, and they don't seem to have much of a film scene. So that's good. There. Uh, it looks like it's trying really hard to be Shaun of the Dead in Cuba. I can see that. Um, you know, I like you said, it's not like there's a huge burgeoning film community in in Cuba, so I don't, really don't want to take be too hard on this because it looks decent, at, you know, at, at its worst. But it's like, yeah, we've seen this before. But who knows? Maybe they'll have something, some kind of new twist or something. But I, I want to get back to this whole. You have a, a a TV show on on your college's TV station. Is this something we can watch? Yeah, there's there's one episode that I'm in up, and the next one will be up uh, pretty soon. Is this on YouTube or? Uh no, but uh, I can like like I post it on Facebook and you can watch it if you I can link to it on the the show page Facebook page if you want. You absolutely should, sir. Yes. We we need to know what what how 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 this goes for you on your meteoric rise to becoming film critic to the universe. Yes, and so much more. Right on. All right. But my friend Juan was also saying how, because Cowboys and Aliens is produced by Steven Spielberg, and he's trying to say basically everything he does is Zionist propaganda. So (laughs) I'll I'll get uh, maybe we can do an episode about that in the future. Is is he really that like that's seriously wow? 
Okay. I was just going to say he makes bad movies now, but okay. I, wow. All right, well, let's move on to another trailer quick. Uh, the Batman Year One trailer. I, you don't keep up with the DC animated stuff too much, so I'm guessing you haven't seen this one. I lived it, Dave. Have you? Okay. Your life as written by Frank Miller. Uh, this looks pretty stinking good. Uh, you know, a lot of these DC yeah. animated movies tend to be better in some ways than their actual film counterparts. And this is probably one of the most seminal. What's what's the voice cast? What's the what what's the voice cast? Like oh, Josh yeah. Radner from How I Met Your Mother is Batman. Totally. Uh, okay, I'm gonna look. I'm looking it up right now. John Stamos is Commissioner Gordon. Yes, actually. Nicholas Cage is Mudslide. Wow. You know, Mudslide, that villain, he's just a pile of mud. That's Clayface. No, there's Mudslide. He's a pile of mud. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Who the heck is Ben McKenzie? He didn't sound bad, but... No, he's from the OC. He is. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, Brian Cranston... <laughs> wow, Brian Cranston is Commissioner Gordon. That's cool. Kitty Sackhoff is in it. Uh, let's see here. Eliza Dushku's Catwoman. It's not mm. a bad cast. Um, let's see who else we got. Oh, no, that's all we got. And, yeah, that's really all we really need. Yeah, but it, the the visual style of it looks pretty stinking close to Frank Miller's book. This is before Frank Miller went off the deep end and became a crazy mate person. So uh, this really is about, you know, Batman's first getting started and how he's getting together with Commissioner Gordon and... A lot of it was used in Batman Begins, because I know that Miller and Aronofsky were going to do Batman Year One at one point, and I, I think they recycled part of that script for Batman Begins, or at least concepts from it. But this looks very promising. I'm, I'm very curious to see how it's going to look and all that, and we'll, we'll just see how it goes. Uh, my second to last news story is that... Did you read World War Z, Ethan? I'll get around to it. Fair enough. Fair enough. If you haven't read it... World War Z is written by Max Brooks, the son of Mel Brooks, but it's not a funny book. It's actually a uh, an oral history in writing, whatever. It's it's a history of what happened when after the zombie outbreak happened, and it's essentially an anthology series of short stories from different people's perspectives all around the world that's incredibly powerful, and uh, it's finally in production, and there's some scenes from a part in Israel that look like it's exactly how it's supposed to look. Um, I'd explain it, but it'd ruin a lot, and it's kind of jacked up, but it's a book that's excuse me, but it's a book everyone should read for sure. And this actually gives me hope for the movie, even though it's got a kind of a stripped-down budget a bit. It, it looks pretty stinking good. Oh, what's wait, what's the tone of this going to be like? Is this going to be like a serious take on this? Or absolutely. Is this gonna be like kind of... it, it's absolutely serious. All right. Yeah, it's it's pretty stinking good. I might, I might have to send you my copy of the uh, audio book for you to listen to if you want to. We'll see. We'll see. We will see. What have you got for news, sir? I'm going to save my last story for the last thing. Uh, apparently Spike Lee's attached to the Old Boy remake. Do you buy this for a second? Didn't it come from a, rep- ref- a what's a refutable rep- a reputable source? A reputable source? I'm sure it has. It just doesn't seem like it's a good fit to me. I th- I honestly think it'd be interesting. Yeah. Den Denzel is Old Boy. There's no way he'd do that part unless they toned it down. There's no way. Well, I, I'm just saying, I had a dream recently where uh, Denzel Washington and Spike Lee did a TV show on HBO about a uh, hairdresser in 1970s Harlem. Okay. So I think this is the closest that, that could come to that, you know? All right, all right. 
So, so you think this could be interesting? Do you think it could be a successful remake? Yeah, because I think Spike Lee would like make it his own thing. Okay. Hmm. Do you think? Because I keep... don't think like I don't think the very idea of remaking Old Boy like it's not like instantly it will be a bad film. I just think it needs the right people attached to it. I mean, I know uh, me and Barry really disagreed on Let Me In, but the thing I liked about that movie is that I thought it, it took the source and it it altered it to an American setting in a very interesting way. Okay. So if it could do something like that. Okay, I understand that. Um, do you think that the, the, oh goodness, the dramatic reveal at the end would stay intact? It might be something different, but I'm sure it would be, maybe, obviously not the exact same thing, but maybe something even equally as <laughs> shocking. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, that, that that ending is one of the most, un, uh, the greatest all-time gut-shot endings I've seen. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so I, I guess, yeah, I mean, I, I can't be against remakes on on principle because, you know, I am looking forward to the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, but I just have a hard time seeing this translate well over to an American audience. But we'll see. If, if it happens, I'll take your word. Yeah, it, it could be interesting. I, I guess I, I will try not to be quite so snarky about it. Well done, sir. All right. Well, on to more great news. Uh, the Jack and Jill trailer came out. Oh. I can't believe they're making this movie. It is really interesting, like, when you look at funny people. Because at least, at least with grown-ups and just go with it, you know, as bad as they are, at least you can kind of have the defense, well, at least they're not like these really high-concept things, you know? Yeah. But, like, this? Like... <laughs> like what? Yeah, yeah. So, so Adam Sandler is playing the part of his own uh, of a both a an identical brother and sister, and you know it didn't work for it didn't work long for Eddie Murphy. I I don't see this working from the get go for Sandler. Well, I mean it's it's int- uh, I guess we should know it's interesting that Al Pacino's in this as himself. Yeah. I think that almost adds this level of kind of surrealness to it that almost, almost in a way gives me some interest, but... Mm. In that train wreck kind of way. Yeah. It's interesting, though. I think, I think we can all agree that I think Super 8 successfully brought back ELO because <laughs> they're in this trailer. Don't Bring Me Down's in this trailer. I've heard it on the radio and in bars a bunch. It's back, baby. Oh, yeah. Bring it. Um, yeah, I... There's no way I'm gonna go see this movie. I'll just say it now. There's, I have zero interest in seeing this. If I get a press screening, I'll go. Okay, okay. Well, if you get to go, then yeah, you can take that bullet for us. That's that's fine. That's I'm more than happy to let you have that one, sir. Uh, my last bit of are you done or do you have another one? Uh, I could look for something if you wanted. No, 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 no. I just want to make sure I wasn't stepping on you. Uh, the if you're, it's all good. Our our last bit of news this week is you know I once in a while I like to come up with deals and there's a honey of a deal coming up here. I think Monday it actually starts up. Twice a year, Barnes and Noble does an incredibly cool sale where you can get pick up Criterion DVDs and Blu-rays for half price, so for like twenty bucks or less. Uh, it's an outstanding deal. It's a nice way to kind of pad out your collection or see if there's you know if there's stuff that you've been you kind of wanted to get but aren't willing to pay forty bucks for. 20 bucks is a trigger point for most criterions for me. So I'm probably going to go pick up like the Great Dictator even though I've already got, already got the uh, Warner Brothers DVD of it. And I might pick up a couple of other things. Now, do you, you don't have okay. Barnes & Noble up there, do you? Uh, 
I don't think so. I'm sorry, sir. I don't buy. To be honest, I don't buy a lot of DVDs or Blu-rays as of late, anyway. So it doesn't really. Fair enough. Fair enough. I I've don't been, got the money. I've been doing very good about it, but then I picked up Prisoner this week, and I picked up Thirteen Assassins. So yeah, I'll be watching that tonight. It's all good. Um, I think we'll go ahead and take a quick break before we come back and talk about what movies are coming out next week. We might even break some embargoes. Who knows? You'll just have to wait and see and come back. In a world where knowledge is power, in an age where time is the most valuable commodity, in a voice that's killing my throat comes a podcast that will bring you wisdom in less than one minute a day. So join me, Martin Darkley, as we journey to enlightenment. Our teachers? Classic lines from cinema history. Come then to moviemantras.com and begin a voyage to a higher state. Hi, this is Anne Lockhart, and you're listening to Screen Geeks Radio. And we are back. This might be one of our shorter episodes in quite some time, which, which should be a nice break for some people who, who just have a shorter commute. Uh, let's go ahead and skip right on ahead to what is coming out on DVD, actually theaters this week. There's a whole lot of nothing. Well, there's not a lot of nothing. It's just we've got Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2, which is finally the end of the series, and Walt Disney's Winnie the Pooh. Um, so, so we're going to break the embargo on that, right? Oh, yeah. We're gonna okay. Break. So we both saw Winnie the Pooh. Did you see it yesterday morning, too? Yeah. In a screening room full of kids. Was it a magical experience for you? Lots of... <laughs> the odd thing for me was that my theater wasn't packed. I, I kind of figured, you know, Winnie the Pooh is kind of a, a major t- release, and there, I mean, the theater was mostly full, but yeah, there were quite a few empty seats. I was kind of surprised. Did you have the same thing happen at yours? It was freaking jam-packed full of kids. Though I got to sit in there, the reserved critic section, so that was cool. It's a beautiful thing to be able to do that. Um, I, I really I really didn't want to go because I knew it would be so full of kids, but my roommate, he forced me to. So. And were you happy for to be forced to go or not really? Uh, I, I liked the experience of be, sitting with the press. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, I, I, I don't know. I found, you know, it's, it's not made for me. Okay. Like, but it's fine for what it is. Kids will like it. Now, did you grow up as a Winnie the Pooh fan? I did, in fact. Okay. All right. Because I had an... I kind of just realized how, how unlikable most of the characters in it are, actually. I maintained that, that Piglet is probably one of the least likable characters in any kid's movie ever. Piglet is just like a total like joke of a man. Tigger is like a hyperactive, like annoying, like just dick. Uh, Winnie the Pooh is like a meth head when it comes to honey. <laughs> Owl's like a total psycho intellectual. Uh, uh, the rabbit's just a total dick. Uh, 
Rue, Kanga and Rue, like, have a total, like, incestuous thing going on. Wow. I mean, he's always, he's always inside her. Oh, dude. Dude. Oh, <laughs> wow. You went there. Dang. Did you like the fact that they, like, the... There's a point where, where Pooh's really wanting some honey. He's got the Jones bad, and it's almost like a scene out of train spotting when he starts fantasizing about honey. I know. I, I really the the degree to which they took it actually kind of upset me. Really, you didn't want him to go to go that far with it. No, I'm like, I can just can you just see him in an alley, like you know, with a needle full of honey, just like you know, what's the thing, the rope you tie in your arm, and just like. Either that or he was tripping acid. Those were those were the two options I came up with. But I actually had a lot of fun with this movie. I thought it had a lot of charm behind it. I was going to mention songs by uh, Zoe Deschanel and M. Ward. Really? They're the ones who wrote the... Okay, interesting. Well, they didn't write the songs. They performed them. But okay. uh, I'm not a... I'm, I can't stand Zoe Deschanel as an actress, but she, like, she's, a good, she's a good singer, so... Okay. Songs were good. The song, the songs were pretty decent. Yeah, um, I think there were there were some almost Abbott and Costello type of wordplay gags that I think really worked. They, they went over great with the adults in, in the audience that I went with. And it's kind of this film really reminded me a bit of like the original old school Winnie the Pooh movie, not like you know the Huffleup movie or Piglet's movie or any of that crap. This kind of got back to the roots. Yeah, yeah. Uh, though I, I I don't know I don't remember Christopher Robin being British. Oh yeah. He was even in, in, the, in the original movie he is, too, yeah. Oh, I see. They changed the animation style for him a little bit, but it worked. It wasn't that big a deal. Um, there was an interesting... Did you get the short for about the Loch Ness Monster beforehand? Well, I was going to say, we kind of had to because the movie's so short. It is, yeah. It, like, it I, was an I'd hour... Feel kind of, I'd almost as a parent, I'd feel, like, ripped off. And that's... Sort of, like, wasn't a... Sh- that really is my one criticism of the movie is that it's it like with the short. I mean, the short's kind of fun. It's it's narrated by Billy Connolly. It's about the Loch Ness monster, how Nessie gets to Loch Ness, and how Loch Ness is created, and it's kind of goofy and fun. But with that short, the whole movie was an hour until credits rolled. Pretty much, yeah. No, I timed much. it. I was shocked. Um, it, so and, oh, well, they showed the they showed the Muppets trailer too. Oh, we did? got those three things. Oh, you, I didn't. We didn't get the Muppets trailer. Interesting. No. So I think I think this movie's well worth it for for parents to take kids to because I think there, if you ask me, there's enough in there for parents to really have a good time with it as well. It's definitely a kids movie, but they they have enough fun with it that I I, I really had a blast with it. But definitely, I'd say definitely go to a matinee. Don't pay full evening price for that thing. At all. Yeah, like I mean, this this yeah, this is a kids movie. Like if you if you're gonna take like your six year old to Transformers 3, it's like, come on. <laughs> What's wrong with that? There, there's no racist robots this time. Uh, <laughs> but there's racist humans, Dave. There you go. Yes. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, I, it definitely gets a recommendation for me. You're, with, with you know that one caveat that you go see it at a matinee or wait for DVD, are you along the same lines, or you weren't quite as high on it as I am? If you, if you have kids, you know, they'll like it. Yeah, yeah. I'd feel kind of weird going to see this movie by myself, because people be like, wow, what's up with the, old perv- the pervy old guy? So, yeah, maybe not the best of ideas to do that. Uh, let's see, on DVD coming out next week... We have got Limitless, starring Bradley Cooper. We have got Take Me Home Tonight, which was that 80s comedy I don't think anyone saw. Did you see that? 
No. Okay. And then Beauty and the Beast is getting a uh, Blu-ray release from from uh, Criterion. This is not the Disney uh, movie. This is the def- silent definite, movie. Definitely a buy. Is it? Well, you see, you can go pick it up at, at Barnes & Noble because the sale's going to be running for a couple weeks. So 20 bucks, you can't go wrong. Uh, and then finally, we've got Doctor Who Season 6 Part 1. Are you sick of TV shows getting these, these two-part releases for every season as I am? I would be if I didn't download them. All right, fair enough. All right. This may be the one time where I'm kind of okay with it, because generally speaking, a season of Doctor Who is like 80 bucks for you know the, the 13 episodes or whatever it is on Blu-ray, which is a complete joke. However, right now, uh, Amazon has the, this for, uh, pre-order for 20 bucks, so you could theoretically get a season for 40 bucks, which is a lot more in line with what you should be paying for that kind of show. Hmm. So, yeah. All right, then. Uh, we don't have any voicemail or email this week. It's all good. Uh, you can shoot us an email if you'd like to. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at podcast, Ethan, Dave, or Barry, all at screengeeks.com. You can also give us a call and leave us a voicemail at 719-695-0706. Uh, next week, like I said at the beginning of the show, we're going to be talking about our favorite critics and what, what we think constitutes a good critic, what, what makes a critic connect with us. And it should be a heck of a good time. So, uh, yeah, until then, this is Dave. This is Bransom. Bransom, okay. 